my name is Tracy Cook and welcome to the podcast series Victim to Victory. This series gives a voice to those that overcome obstacles in all forms that dare greatly to share their real stories. Amazing humans like our upcoming guest that have seen hope and risen above those adversities to become victorious. I'm very, very excited for this interview today because our friend here supports and inspires others to be the best that they can. And I would want to welcome humbly to Victim to Victory podcast series, Walt McKinley. Welcome. Tracy, thank you so much for having me on the podcast series. I just love what you do. I admire what you do. Um, And even more so, I have a lot of respect that you've stepped into your purpose and you're bringing hope and inspiration into the world. And so I'm so happy to join you today. And I hope my story, um, along with the stories that you tell every single week, give people the hope and inspiration they need to continue to walk in their healing journey and find their power. Thank you so much. It's so appreciated. Now, I'm just going to share a little bit about Walt. And he's a very inspirational speaker, a number one best-selling author. And we're going to be talking a little bit today about um, his book as well, Monsters in My House. Uh, And it is a true story. It's going to be very impactful. You're going to want to grab a coffee, sit down and listen to this podcast interview because it is life changing. It's going to give you a whole new perspective. um, And I want you to draw inspiration from Walt today. He's changing and saving lives. Now, he delivers memorable keynote presentations. He's focused on creating a positive mindset, healing trauma and the four key areas to living an extraordinary life. Now, not only that, Walt is is passionate about speaking life into the world because of his own childhood journey that included extreme abuse, 14 childhood moves, homelessness, and an attempt teen suicide, all culminating with testifying against his father in court at 16. Wow, what a journey. We're going to be hearing more about Walt's story. Like I said, grab a cup of coffee because you are going to want to take all of this in. This is a message that is um, very, very powerful. Um, I'm really hoping you draw motivation and inspiration from Walt today, as he does, because he is a world changer. And his comeback story, this is the, the, the best part about his story, is one for the ages and reminds us life is truly limitless. I love that. And his conversations on how to live your power, your potential and your purpose are truly life changing. Uh, Walt, where does your story start? Oh, wow. You know, you, you captured some of it in there in that synopsis. So thank you so much for that. And my story really started in a very torturous place for me. And so I moved 14 times in the first 16 years of my life that I can actually recall um, being torturously abused by every adult that I came into contact with. And I, I mean, my father, my stepmother, my stepfather, um, foster parents, um, a lot of neglect from my mother and a lot of pain that she never resolved. So she couldn't love us the way she needed to. She didn't stop the abuse from happening. Um, and, and I got a cool story later on about that, but it, it was really a um, start to my life that would seem like you would never have an opportunity to live where I'm at today. But I really stare, share this story because for me, I was victimized, but I refused to stay a victim. Because I was locked in basements and chained to beds and beat, kicked, slapped, punched, demeaned, belittled, every form of abuse you can imagine, 
outside of sexual abuse happening to me on a horrific level, I was victimized, but I had a choice to make at some point to not stay a victim. And that didn't come easy. That didn't come easy. And I, I narrate this tale in the book to show people you could literally come from being locked in a basement for hours at a time, having terrifying Halloween masks thrown down there with you at eight years old, to living a joyful and abundant and successful life and being married 22 years and having teenage kids and having career success and now sharing my story to give people inspiration that no matter where they come from, no matter where they start, it doesn't have to be where they finish and that their history doesn't define their legacy. I love that your history doesn't define your legacy. And um, how many teenage children do you have? So I have two amazing, beautiful teenage daughters. So I have one 17-year-old daughter that's a senior in high school getting ready to go out and and, you know, um, spread her wings and fly into her own life. And then I have a freshman uh, ninth grade daughter that's uh, 15 years old, too. So um, I'm definitely very blessed in that category. Absolutely wonderful. And also, you're not only a survivor and a hashtag warrior, you are a retired naval intelligence officer, a, for, a former Fortune 300 corporate executive, and you've led high-performing global teams over the last 25 years. And we're talking about this pre-show, the corporate world and, and all that's related around that as well. And you've also uh, curated all during this time as well, which is absolutely amazing, a very heart-centred, uplifting and empowering leadership style that built top-performing organisations who achieved record, like record-breaking mm-hmm. results um, globally all around the world. And I, I just love how you really use these diverse life experiences that you do have to show that your history doesn't define your legacy, as we've just touched on. And you just share the uh, stories that are just so uh, tangible in its approach and um, uh, just resonates with um, so many different audiences as well and really creating that mentality of, of healing and purpose and success. And like you said, you can go from chain to a bed and, and, and choose not to be a victim anymore. So mm-hmm. talk us through the, the process, if you will, of, of writing your book and having to relive that and putting that out in paper and what it's like to actually share that globally with the world as well as a, as a new author. Yeah. So Tracy, a lot of people ask me this question. They said, Oh, wow. Like you, like the things that happened to you were so horrific. What was it like reliving those? And I got to tell you, it was empowering. And, and I and will talk about the keys to living an extraordinary life. Cause I put that in the book to give people tangible things they can do to really move past their trauma or the things that I did anyway, <clears throat> excuse me. And so, you know, for me, it, it was like, um, I'm sitting here writing this story and I went into Southern California about six hours from where I'm at in Arizona in the U S and revisited some of these places we lived with my sister who went through 10 of the 16 years of that horrific abuse with me. And while we're, while we're going around and we're looking at these places, like, of course I've got some emotion around it, but I've really done the healing work. Mm. And then I'm, I'm, I'm writing, I took pictures and I'm sitting and I'm thinking about these stories and where I'm going to start this book and how I'm going to narrate it. And I just start and no joke, 326 pages, 80,000 words. Well, it was really like 85,000 before edits, 85,000 words poured out of me in about six weeks. 
And as I'm writing the book, I'm feeling more empowered as I go along. And even though I'm reading it, I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> I can't believe this stuff. Like, this is really messed up stuff, you know, and I'm not making light of it by chuckling a little bit, but I'm thinking this as I'm reading it. And I, and I go back and I do an edit after, and I, I did four edits myself. And every time I edit it, because the core story was done, I could think of more details. I started mm. remembering how things smelled, how I felt when I was crying, when I felt like I was on the brink of my sanity, just feeling like I wasn't going to make it. And when God showed up for me in those moments. And so I talk about all these different moments. And so I'm, I'm, I'm rewriting the story and I'm painting this picture for the reader to really pull them into sitting next to me in these moments when I was, my soul was just being broken into a million pieces. But as an adult, because I've done the healing work, because I stopped running from the pain, the trauma doesn't get tired, guys. Mm -hmm. And I turned around and I ran it over instead. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I say, warrior, right? I hip checked it, you know, ran it over. So it would never follow me again. So I would never have to hide from it again. And I started feeling a lot different about everything that I went through. And I started thinking, I've been a fighter my whole life. Like those things meant to break me, those things that knocked me in the dirt that I wasn't supposed to get up from, I'm still here. And I'm going to tell you, those of you guys out there listening to this, you're still here. You matter. You're powerful. So I'm not a victim. I don't even say I'm a survivor. I didn't just make it. I'm a warrior. I've been fighting my whole life, been battling my whole life. And now I get to fight and battle for the people that need to step into their power as a warrior and know that they need to share their story for the person that doesn't need Tracy's. They don't need Walt's. They need theirs. So it's a beautiful journey that this thing has been on for me. That's so empowering. And, and so many people need to hear this message, right? And once again, our, our pre-show chat really touched on all these people that really need to claim their story, right? And you've got a bit mm -hmm. of a theory around how people can, can claim their theory. So yeah. what advice would you give around that? So I think the first piece to, I got four keys to living an extraordinary life. And I'll tell you why I put this in here. Cause I had people tell me I put, shouldn't put it in my book, in my memoir. They go, well, this is more like self-help stuff. This is a memoir stuff. So I was like, you know, but I wish I would have had these tools 25, 30 years ago. And I said, cause the reality is we're living in a pit of despair when we haven't healed from that trauma. We're living in shame despair, anger, frustration, embarrassment. Like there's all these things that you're living with when you're in this pit of despair. And even when you have life success, you still can't reach the happiness that you deserve because you stay in this space. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is people who've done the healing work, I can't do the healing work for you. I can't want it more. But what I wish somebody would have given me was better tools to heal from. And so the last um, chapter in the book, I talk about these four keys to living an extraordinary life, what I did. And I narrate stories of when things clicked for me. And I was like, wow, because when I'm writing the book, my wife goes, how did you actually heal? And I said, that's a good question. I don't know that I've ever really thought about it in that mm. way. Like, how did I really do it? And so I found the first thing in these four keys. The first thing is speaking your truth. Look, I got to mm -hmm. tell you guys, there's a lot of things they talk about in therapy, putting some stuff in a balloon and letting it fly away, writing it in a journal, putting it, writing on a piece of paper, putting it in a fire, letting it go. And all those are great. But mm -hmm. I have found from talking to people, um, you know, from 
being part of master classes, nothing is more cathartic and freeing than speaking your truth out loud. And when oh, you yes. don't, when, when you keep that shame and that pain and you the deep, dark places in your soul that you hang on to stuff that you've thrown the way, key away that you're never going to let out. It, it just prevents you from loving and living in the world a way that you deserve and that you should. But speaking your truth allows you over time because it doesn't, you just don't be like, I spoke my truth. I'm healed. Let's go. With life, right? <laughs> uh-uh. <laughs> it's not real. And so, but it's like a layers. And so you speak one truth. You're like, hmm, that felt good. You speak your next truth. And there's certain truths that you keep locked away deep inside. You can't speak right away. Those are truths that come over time. And it's as you layer out different pieces and it's like blossoming a beautiful flower. And so speak your truth. There's nothing more empowering and freeing than that. Find a therapist, a counselor, a coach, a friend, brother, sister, but I don't care who it is. If you have to, we'll talk about where to find me, find me, Mm -hmm. but speak your truth out loud, unlock your soul and give that poison, the antidote it needs. And when you take that trauma and you throw it away, you can replace that place that held that trauma with love and how you feel about you and how you feel about everybody changes. And the second key is accepting and acknowledging. So for me, accepting the trauma for what it was, was easy. I know I was chained to beds. I know I was locked in basements. I know I was beat, thrown against pictures and the glass broke on my head. Like horrific things happened to me. I know it is what it is. That was easy for me to do. And I see people sugarcoated a little bit. Well, they tried their best. No, they abused you. Call it what it is. Yeah. And and then acknowledging the feeling. So as a man, that was very hard for me was to acknowledge that eight-year-old hurt little boy that was locked in the basement. That's literally the picture on the book is my view as a little boy looking at my stepfather and in the concrete, you can see the mask he used to throw down there with me in the dark that came to life in my imagination. Mm. And it was acknowledging that that little boy was still hurting inside of me. It was acknowledging that every time somebody said something to me, I didn't like as an adult, I took it so personal. Anytime a man looked at me wrong, I'm like, what? Like, you want to talk about a warrior? I was um, like a real confrontational to say Mm -hmm. the least when I was a young man. And because I hadn't done the healing work, that negativity was manifesting itself as an adult. So protective of women and kids because I felt like they could protect themselves like I could. So I was going to protect anybody. I was going to bully the bully and it felt good. And, Mm -hmm. but it really didn't because after I felt horrible. And so acknowledging those feelings, you got to cry, you got to yell, you got to be sad that you lost pieces of whatever that trauma was during that process. And then you got to move. The third piece I talk about is forgiveness. And I got to tell you, Tracy, this one was really hard. Man, man, it was hard for me. Ooh, it was hard for me. And I, I found it was easier to forgive my mother and father. Because as a kid, when you go through trauma, as a child, at least, you don't stop loving them. You stop loving yourself. And oh, yes. Myself, yes, you do. Right? Yep. Mm-hmm. As my love grew for myself, and I realized because of the trauma, they never rectified from what they went through in their lives. Hurt people hurt other people. Trauma, uh, um, generational abuse um, is 73% of all abuse is generational. And it happens because we sweep things under the rug and we don't talk about them because they're embarrassing. No, what's mm-hmm. embarrassing is continuing the generational cycle. That's what's embarrassing. And so forgiving them, 
the hardest person for me to forgive was my stepfather, Bruce. And it was hard for me to forgive him because he was the one that threw me in the basements for, you know, two hours, 10 hours in the dark. He was the one that took me to the brink of losing my sanity down there. When I felt like a werewolf mask came to life at eight and I had to choose between two monsters, him at the top of the stairs and this mask that came to life at the bottom. But I found over time, like he was still a hurt little boy too. That, that never went through his feelings and his healing process. And so he put that on to me. And I never knew I forgave him until about 12 years after the last time I had saw him when my sister got married. And I knew mm-hmm. I had done the work because I was able to shake his hand. We didn't get chummy at dinner. We didn't hang out. Yeah. But I was able to shake his hand, tell him congratulations. And I just enjoyed my night. I didn't feel anything. Mm-hmm. And then the last piece is when you've spoken your truth, when you've accepted your trauma for what it is, acknowledge the feelings you forgave, you expose these superpowers, these superpowers, like a gift. I couldn't have written this book without my trauma. I wouldn't be, I've been with my wife 25 years and married 22. I wouldn't be this amazing husband that I, I hope I am. <laughs> so, <laughs> I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be I'm this. I'm sure you are. <laughs> I wouldn't be this amazing father that just, this friend that loves people, this person who could come out and say, I'm going to use this trauma. I'm going to use this victimization that happened to me as superpower and fuel to not only live my best life, but to also now empower others to live theirs. And so when you can get to that, when you end in this pit of despair, you need a tool, you need this trauma ladder, these four steps on the rungs of the ladder that get you out of this pit of despair so that you can step into your abundance. 100%. And you just drop so many things there, folks. If you are resonating with Walt's story, um, if you're feeling his his powerful inspiration, I want you to connect with him. We'll be sharing where to connect with Walt as well because uh, he can help you with the tools that he, has helped him recover and heal and be the warrior that he is today. And I love the way that you really um, mentioned, you know, especially men, you know, it's it's generational. Mm. It, it's a society. Men have to be the strong one. Uh, men have to, you know, protect everybody else. And like you said, you know, you were that scared little boy in the basement. And mm-hmm. and that forgiveness phase. I think a lot of people who go through trauma, that is the 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 hardest phase to really, mm-hmm. really dig deep. And because if you don't forgive, they continue winning whoever abused you or whatever the circumstance or experience was, if you don't forgive and let that shit go, they win. They win and they don't get to win. They don't get to win. We hold the power because we choose to move on. Just like you have in your story, Walt, you you thought, no, I'm not going to be that eight-year-old little boy in the basement with the werewolf mask looking up at the Mm -hmm. stairs to the stepfather. I'm going to win. So that must have been just so empowering um, to be able to shake the hand and then just walk off and go and have a good night, you know, because you get to own your power. And I know that's what you're all about. And if you don't mind sharing with us, just backtracking a little bit, you said there was there was clicks that happened. Could you talk to Mm -hmm. us a little bit more about uh, what those were and how they felt? Yeah, absolutely. So I talk about each individual segment that we just went through. I talk about the moment that I knew the power in speaking, like I'm going to say speaking my truth. Let's use that one. Well, first I want to say something. Forgiveness is not for the person who puts you through trauma. 
forgiveness is for you. At some mm-hmm. point I had to decide, and you said this, then they keep winning, right? I had to decide, you know what? He's there. They, I should say for all of them, they're all living their life in their angry place that they're all in. Cause they haven't healed from trauma. I didn't want to live my life in pain no more. I didn't want to live my life in anger no more. I didn't want to take things personally, try to fight every man that puff his chest out to me. I didn't want to do that anymore. I wanted to be free and I wanted to move through the world with love and power and presence. And I couldn't do that until I was able to forgive. So forgiveness was for me. I didn't run to my abusers and say, you're you're absolved. I forgive you, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I forgave for me so that I can move through the world differently. And my my rocket fuel initially was anger. I'm not going to let them win. I'll be damned if I let them control me. Like two of them have passed away. People literally are letting that trauma and what they went through be con- somebody control them from the grave. And that's the reality of what it is. And, but what I dis- what I did over my healing journey is that anger of why I was moving through it turned into the want to love. Now I just wanted to be able to love myself and love the people around me different. So that became my fuel instead of the anger. And I'm here to tell you, we live in so much. This is about speaking your truth. We need to start speaking our truth and removing the stigma of trauma. So many of us, and I did this for years, you guys. So I could, this is why I talk about it so passionately, even with my voice as hoarse as it is. <laughs> so many people sit and they live in the shame and embarrassment and pain from that trauma. We're changing the game for what this is. Mm-hmm. Those people that are victimizing people out there, you will be exposed. You will be exposed for what you are and who you are. And you have a choice yourself. You're either going to get help and do some healing. So you you stop doing that kind of stuff to people, or you're going to be exposed and be held accountable. It's time for us, those people who've been victimized, those warriors now to stop running from the past and hiding from what it is and start speaking our truths so that we take that power back so that we make people fearful of ever doing those things to us again. Like that will happen. That's part of my mission. And what's, and that's what speaking your truth is so important about. And I'll tell you, speaking my truth happened. I'm going to make this part of the story quick. I had a sailor that worked for me. I used to give her a hard, like I gave all my sailors a hard times, like 250 of them. And I, I was, I, that's how, that's how military people bond. That's how men bond. That's how I bond. I love to give people a hard time. Well, they would give it back to me faster than I could give it to them most of the time once they knew that. It was open season on everybody and it was respectful, but it was still fun. So this young woman, sailor, she walks past me for the third time for the day. And I was like, just gonna keep walking past me and not say good morning. Good Lord. And she says, I'm not having a great day. And I said, all right. And she goes, no, not really. I said, let's take a walk, take a walk. She starts she got, I could feel, you know, the empathy you have when you've been through trauma, you've healed is like, ooh, you can feel things from people. And I knew, I just knew she had some trauma that she had in the cover. I knew, could feel, I didn't know, realize this was, gosh, probably 15 years ago. I didn't realize it then, 12 years ago. I knew it. And I, I spoke a little bit of my truth to her. She just let it go. She opened up like never before. She goes, I can't believe what I'm telling you. I said, let it out. Will you allow me to help get you some help? So we got her some help. She started seeing a therapist, a young, another young woman therapist that was perfect for her, speaking her truth, letting it out. All the abuse she had been through, sexual abuse as a little girl by multiple men 
and her mother never stopped it from happening. And now as a new mother, the anger she felt put her in a spiral because she loved her daughter so much. She couldn't comprehend how her mother allowed that to happen. Got her some help. I could see this young woman blossoming into this amazing next level of phase, more mature woman that wasn't drinking all the time, wasn't coming in hungover. Like you could see this transfer, this beautiful, beautiful Tracy. Like, mm. Powerful. It's a powerful place to be. thinking about it, right? And you could see this amazing journey happening for her. So we all transfer around in the military. She transfers out. A couple months later, I transfer out. She finds me six months after this point, a year after she allowed me to help her. She goes, walks into the, the building, came and found me, walks into the building where I'm at. She goes, sir. And I was like, oh my gosh, how are you doing? Give her a hug. She goes, so it's my turn to ask you to take a walk. So we go out on the picnic tables. She says, she changed my life this day. As much as she thinks I changed her, she changed mine. She goes, man, I just get emotional talking. She goes, you were the first man I ever met that didn't want anything from me. Oh, wow. She goes, what you don't know is I was going to take my life that day that you talked to me. She oh, goes, I'm I want emotional. you to know mm. you saved my life. And I get emotional about this and it's crazy because I don't get emotional about my own trauma, but I get emotional about the impact that your story can have on people. And I didn't know what to say. And as you could tell, I'm very rarely at a loss for words. So I didn't know what to say in this moment because you know what? It's not even a compliment. It's the most humbling thing a human being can ever say to you. But what I realized, the click moment for me was because I stopped running from my own trauma, because I stopped running and hiding from the pain I was feeling and I turned around and I smashed it, ran it over and I took my power back. It allowed me the space to share my a little of my story with her. And that space gave a safe space for her. And that safe space allowed her to speak her truth and has saved her life. Mm -hmm. That's what speaking your truth does. It's not just for you. Mm -hmm. And how selfish I would have been had I not been willing to face my own trauma, that I would have missed an opportunity to save somebody's soul that trusted yeah. me just enough. So she changed my life that day. And since that day, I've been so much more freeing about sharing my trauma to give people an opportunity to, to share theirs and let them know they're not alone. They don't have to live with the shame. They don't have to live with the pain. They can be this big boisterous warrior that they've always wanted to be. And by being that example, they're going to give somebody else the manifesto for their life. That's going to save them. Because not everybody needs your story. Not everybody needs theirs. Somebody's waiting for your story out there. You listening. Somebody's waiting for your story so that you can help save their life so that they can go save the next one. That's what this journey is about for me. 100%. And breaking those generational chains, you know, leaving that next legacy. So she's broken that generational chain mm -hmm. of abuse for her daughter. So then that is going to be a ripple effect. So she's going to go on and impact other people's lives as well, just from a simple conversation, sharing our story, creating that, you know, that empathy and, and that safe space, like you said, for you to go, hey, it's okay. I, 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 I can hear you. I see you. I, I, I hear you. Let's do this. Mm -hmm. let, let, let's, let's, let's work together. Let's get some support. Let's get something in, in place. You're brave. Mm -hmm. You're strong. I'm going to support you. Here's a safe space. 
you know, and um, I think everybody felt those words as well, you know, when she said, you're the first man that didn't want anything from me, you know, that's, yeah. um, I think, as, as abused women as well um, will really, um, that'll really hit home as well. So it's yeah. a very important message uh, to, to share. And we have um, Are You OK in Australia. I don't know if that's um, popular in the US. We have Are You OK Day. I mean, Are You OK mm. Day to me mm-hmm. should be every bloody day. You know, yes. um, reach out. If, you, if you've if you gone through trauma, you know, well, you t- you said it yourself, you know, you know, you see the signs, mm. you feel the energy, you you know the, the look on their face, their body movements, everything. If you think that somebody else is experiencing something, if you've been through trauma, act on that, act on that empathy, mm-hmm. act on that, that energy level, act on that funny look they gave you. Because mm-hmm. all you have to say is, are you okay? That's right. And if if they're not, they're, they're going to give you signals that they're not. And that is mm-hmm. definitely open up those channels for those conversations that can change and save lives. You you saved her life and she saved yours in return. That's right. That's right. And you know it's what's amazing powerful. is. And, and we talked a little bit about this beforehand. I firmly believe, like I was a lighthouse in the dark for her when she needs it. She's now a lighthouse in the dark for somebody else. Tracy, you're a lighthouse in the dark for the people who need your story. As we create this world of healed human beings and we create more lighthouses in the dark, one day we won't have any more darkness, but it takes the courage and the fortitude to stand up and share and speak your story. But first it takes the courage and it takes the inner love and it takes the inner power to stand up for yourself because Tracy and I can't do it for you. You've got to want to do it for yourself. You've got to be, and I'll give you an example of this. My own mother, she's 66. This is what I love. And by the way, whether you've been through five minutes of trauma or 15 years, you have to heal from your trauma. So don't compare your trauma. Don't say, I didn't get locked in basements like Walt did. Mine wasn't as bad as his because all you do is add shame to something you're already struggling with that you already have shame with. Five minutes or 15 years of trauma is irrelevant. Trauma is trauma. If you're going to compare to me, just say, Walt's a normal dude. Mm-hmm. He's going to live, he's going to die. You know, he's just a normal guy. What the only difference is he made a decision to work through his trauma. Mm-hmm. And so my own mother recently, about two months ago, like almost three months ago now, she asked me, she's taking care of her very narcissistic mother. She asked me, she said, um, how are you happy? I just, she had never asked me this because I, you know, I, I forgive my mother a long time ago. We have a relationship now that's building. How are you so happy? Like, I'm so sick of feeling how I feel. I wow. said, yeah, mom. I, I said, you know what? I remember feeling like that. Those of you guys listening, I know you're out there saying, I'm so sick of feeling like this. I felt that too. Tracy's felt that. My mother felt that. And I said, mom, I said, I can help you, but I'm not going to help you as your son because I don't want to hear the becauses and the buts as part of the process. She's like, I'm just sorry I wasn't a great mother. And I said, wow, that's a big one. She said that before, right? But always from like a victim state. Ah. And I was like, you weren't a great mother. We know that. I said, this is, and this is the first time I told anybody, I said, I forgave you, mom, a long time ago for me. And I said, I forgave you because I know 
Your want to love me as your son is so high. Your capacity to do so because in this bucket of trauma, that bucket of love that we have in our, in our heart and soul, you got 75% of that filled up with trauma. So you've only got 25% capacity to love yourself and love your kids. And I said, but working through your trauma, what I found is working through my trauma removed trauma from that bucket. And every time I removed a piece, that bucket could get fuller of love. And as a bucket got fuller of love, my interaction with everybody changed. And the way I showed up in the world changed. The way I showed up for me changed. And I said, but you can't do it while you're drinking. She's always used substances, drugs, or alcohol, right? And so she calls me about a month and a half later. And I think she's got to be hitting 60, 65 days sober now. 66 years old, about 65 days sober. She went to the doctor and said, what do you have? I can't stop doing it on my own. What do you have? Because I can't keep waking up in the morning and drinking and going to bed, drinking and drinking the whole day. Mm. Her doctor gave her some pills and said, it's going to make you deathly ill if you, if you drink. She goes, I, I give, give them to me. She called me 30 days in and said, I'm 30 days sober today. And she goes, like you said, I can't heal from my drama if I keep being drunk. Mm. And so she is now turning and facing her trauma at 66. So whether you're sick, 16, 66, it's irrelevant. You're going to live however much life you got left. So why not make that life happy by turning around and doing the hard work starting today when you're listening to this podcast? If my mother can do it at 66, a woman that I've never known to be sober at any capacity can do it at 66. If you're out there, you can do it too. If I can do this work in my late teens and early 20s, you could do it. At 45, I'm still learning things and growing every single day and being a better version of myself than I was the previous day. So if, if you're in your 40s, you could do it. I don't care. You're, if you're 80, you could do it. And you deserve it. And you owe it to yourself. And you owe it to the people around you to do it too. 100%. Because if things don't change, things don't change. Right. right. Yeah, <laughs> 100%. And what, what, kind of, what kind of message? Uh, there's so many golden nuggets, so many tips. Uh, what kind of message would you like to leave our audience on today, Walt? Hmm. There's so many messages. Now. <laughs> uh, the message I'll leave today really is I've been where you're at. I've lived with the shame and the pain and the despair and the embarrassment. And I didn't know where to turn. And I felt like I was all alone. And you're out there. You feel like you're all alone. You're angry. You live in shame. You don't want to tell anybody any piece. You feel like nobody's going to understand what you've been through. But I promise you, there's warriors like Tracy. There's warriors like me. There's warriors like so many more millions of people around this planet that can totally understand what you're going through. You are not alone. You are not a victim. You are not a survivor. It is time for you to step into your power, your potential, your purpose. It's time to take ownership of your life. It's time to fight for yourself. And it's time to be this. It's time to be a warrior. Stop waiting for tomorrow. Stop doing it today. Own that power because you made it through 100% of the things you never thought you'd make it through. You're here. You're fighting. You're powerful. You're loved. You matter. And Tracy and I want you to heal from this so you can go be a lighthouse in the dark for the person that needs your story. 
I love you. Go step into your warrior power. A lighthouse in the dark, definitely. Thank you very much for being brave once again to share your story. You are a warrior. We'll be sharing where to connect with you as well. So uh, keep an eye out. We're going to be dropping all of Walt's links as well, where to buy his um, uh, Monsters in My House book as well, because you need to read this. You need to let your teens even read this to let them know that there is always someone there to listen to them, even in the most darkest of days. You are so appreciated. You can find the Victim to Victory podcast series on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, and our Facebook group as well. So please subscribe, share, and comment to help be the change that the world needs, to be that lighthouse in the darkness. And the more lighthouses we have, we actually destroy the darkness. I love that. And let me leave you with a message of figure out who you are and do it on purpose. Thanks so much, Walt. 